I'm so excited. <laughs> Craig is so excited for episode 90 Cool Button Hockey Podcast. There is the music. We are underway. What is wrong with the Pittsburgh Penguins, Mr. Button? Well, they're, they're really good until they get into the third period. <laughs> you know, it, what are they, the Vancouver? Great, they're Vancouver? Yeah. <laughs> you remember the great Harry Neal line that when he was saying, he says, you know, he says, uh, my problem with my team is, is we can't win at home and we can't win on the road. And I can't think of another place to go and play. <laughs> I, I think for the Pittsburgh Penguins right now, it's like, well, imagine them after the second period, they're winning, they're leading, and they're sitting there going, do we have to go out for the third period now, Mike? Uh, Mike Sullivan's going, yeah, guys, let's just go out there and let's try to do our best. I mean, it, 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 you're talking about collapses by a team that early in an NHL season are epic, epic. <laughs> like the the one in Boston. And then, you know, you think, okay, they come back. It's a three, one game and they're playing Buffalo. They're playing strong. And then boom, all of a sudden it's like, they're on the wrong side of it again. And, you know, we, we saw them out on the West in the, in the Western conference get beat up pretty good. And you think, okay, they're going to come home and well, they got some. Uh, they got some issues. They got some issues with their with their play right now. And certainly, uh, you know, when you're blowing leads like they're blowing, I mean, uh, th that's a bad sign, Steve. That's a bad, bad sign. And I and I think the sign started in the first intermission in Edmonton because they played a really good first period in Edmonton, mm -hmm. and then in the second period, and this got the Oilers rolling. And the Penguins have not been the same since for a full 60 or 65 minute game was the overwhelmingness of which the Oilers came at the Penguins, the defense, you know, Jari and DeSmith going over through the road trip. And I just, the, the, the first five games in the last five games, it's been a tale of two teams for the Penguins. So you're like, okay, let's, let's see what happened. They were overwhelmed. Goaltending, both goalies are at 904 save percentage. That's too low. And you talk about the metrics and, the fancy numbers, they're both not in the top 32, Jari and DeSmith. Now, Jari was last year. Okay, so the goaltending, not the same. Then you look at special teams, power play, average, penalty killing, horrific, absolutely horrific, own zone coverage. You know, we're in an era right now where everyone, you know, forgets the backdoor guy or the pass through the slot line, Royal Road or backdoor, like the goal that Owen Power, what a oh. play, great game. What a play. Like, that's a great play. The Penguins forgot that someone might be there. And then the winning goal I'm talking about in Buffalo, if we were on TSM doing the breakdown, Craig, it would be Crosby came in as F4. Really, the dragon was in. Our buddy, Marcus Patterson, he was gambling. Sid was going for the win. He was gambling. He won against him to get him that puck. It was blocked by Skinner. They went the other way. And it was Apollo 13 for the Penguins. Great play by Tage Thompson and Alex Tuck. What a story they've become. Game over there against Boston. The penalty kill couldn't stop Marchand even after they just had a disallowed goal, Boston. Here comes 63. They score again. Then they need a save in Seattle. Can't get a save. And, and it's just steamrolled to the point of, you know, you look at each individual player. The overall numbers are still pretty good for possession and high danger. Like, it's not as if there's a glaring error other than the PK. The other stuff has been up here, Craig, you know, and it makes me just think in our own zone, as everyone's been talking about Barry Trotz lately, there's something about man-on-man -man that can stop those. I, I don't want defenses to take over from offenses, 
But if you're playing this, you know, box plus one and and forgetting about the back door, we're seeing some unbelievable plays, right? Some unbelievable plays. And I think maybe only man-on-man -man in your own zone might be able to stop it, but that's a topic for another day. For the Penguins now, mano-a-mano, they're losing these battles. And we have to be honest about what we're seeing. They're too good to be this middling, aren't, aren't they? I, I think that's the case. But let me just go back to the defense. On Wednesday night, nine goals in the Pittsburgh-Buffalo game, seven yep. goals in the Philadelphia-Toronto game. That's yep. an average of eight. Aren't you happy? I <laughs> am, <laughs> yeah, but it's like, it's like Olsen only scores some empty net goals, right? He loves it. I think he leads the league in empty netters already. But anyway, it, it is good. But in all four games, all situations, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, and Philly had marginal high danger chances, which surprised me, right? And then Toronto had almost 20. So that's where I'm saying, and I think we'll get to Toronto a bit later, this Philadelphia thing, it's probably over early with injuries and where they're like, it's not it. Uh, the stock metrics are the company's not doing well, Craig, the board of directors are doing a good job of pumping the stock. It's not going to stay like this in Philly. It, I, you know, I'm going to make a quick, you know what? Nobody's paying attention to the flyers right now because the Phillies are two, two in the world series. So that's a good thing. I want to go back to Pittsburgh and I want to go and, and, and I, I talk about the scoring, right. And, and defenses right now, are not keeping up with offenses. I, you know, you think about how the NFL opened up offense, and and there's different defensive schemes in the NFL, but because of the uh, of the real standard on on, on obstruction and interference, you watch how the players now they move into spaces. So you you know when the the, the timing of plays, getting into a spot to 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 get a good scoring opportunity, those are hard to defend. Because players are quick, they can make those plays. You talk about the Royal Road, you know. I I I always see talk about players that can make plays under sticks through skates. It's a real skill, and the timing they do. You know, you think about quarterbacks in in, in football, and and they do those timing routes. You know, back shoulder, and like the the ball is thrown out of the quarterback's hand before the receivers even made his cut because they know where they're going, right? And I think that the NHL offensive now, offenses have picked up on some of that. And it, it, it's hard to defend. It's really hard to defend. You can't come over a stick, you know, that, you know, because that can be a slashing penalty. So that being said, I, you know, that's the macro issue with defenses. And, you, you know, there's teams are going to try to adjust, but how do you adjust? And, and, and I have offense right now is carrying the day. And I know you're happy. Let's go back to the playoffs last year with the Pittsburgh Penguins. They were up 3-1 in that series versus the New York Rangers. This isn't new. This isn't new. Ron Hextall changed his defense around, you know, and he said, hey, we need a different look defense back there. We, he adds Petrie and he adds Jan Ruta. This is a problem that's plagued the Pittsburgh Penguins, and, and you nailed it. It's not that they don't have good, solid stretches of solid play. Their problem is sustaining it. So I'd love to be able to give you an answer, Steve, as to why they can't sustain it. I, I, I really can't put my finger on it. I, I look at it, are they fast enough? Are they quick enough? Can they handle speed? One of the things that I'm seeing them like defensively, and, and I think this is the, the area that I'm really focusing on, how quickly do they react to the attack? I don't see them reacting quick enough to, you know, on that play by Owen Power, like just Owen Power 
Jari, you got the you, the the goaltender's got the shot, and I'm covering. I'm I'm on all, all of a sudden here. I'm not letting him get that shot there. They they seem to be slow reacting, <laughs> and which I'm is, gonna watch for that. Yeah, which is surprising. And then when you're slow, then the first thing people think is that you're old, right? Like if you're, you know, we got older players. I mean, they got some banged up players, but who doesn't? Latang was sick, was back. What a sick pass he made last night. They they put themselves in almost every one of their games in a position to win them. Like in the Oiler game, they had an outstanding first period. They played great hockey. They they put themselves in the Boston game, in the Buffalo game to win by doing a lot of these things. So when you don't, then you start saying, "Well, what is the problem here?" And I don't I don't know if it's mental. I don't know if it's physical. It's 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 surprising. Because they're not a green team. This isn't, you know, the young Ottawa Senators. Oh, they pushed late, but then the young guys couldn't keep up with the KG veterans or whatever. And like you said, if you look at the numbers, it's not like Latang or Petrie or Pedersen or Pierre Olivier Joseph or like, oh, somebody's been terrible. The goalies have been at, like there's been average and above average. And all the other numbers should suggest that they should be plus two NHL 500. So I saw the look on Mike Sullivan. Have you ever been there with Dallas or Calgary and somebody else where it's hard to say, stay the course, you know, they, they got no money to spend. They've already made their move on the blue line. I'm sure people woke up in Pittsburgh this morning and said, well, they should have kept John Marino. What are they doing? You know, all that kind of stuff of should have, you know, I don't think we're at that point because I like, I like Ruta. I, I, you know, I, I like the defense. I don't love it. It's not Colorado's. But the Penguins won the cup a few years ago. They had nobody after Latang got hurt. It was bullpen by committee, and they still got it done. Although all those guys were younger, I understand that. It's just, it's just surprising that in key moments of some of these games, they've made big like Taylor Hall's goal shouldn't have they shouldn't have allowed that goal the other night. The play that you're talking about with Owen Power. Like, I like Owen Power, but that's not Bobby Orr at the point where everybody lost themselves looking at Bobby Orr and forgot the backdoor play. Um I don't know, back to basics. They got Seattle on Saturday. Maybe they can kind of regroup there, but it's funny with so many teams playing so well, you know, the Devils and the Sabres and these all young teams, Detroit and Ottawa's looking better. And then you got like Pittsburgh and Colorado and I guess Toronto were, were all underwhelming, right? Those teams were all underwhelming. I'm not panicking for the Penguins. I'm just really surprised, Craig, really surprised. Well, yeah. And, and I think because, because of the fact that, you know, we've seen them play so well for stretches of games. I don't I don't think this is an age problem. I don't think when I say they're slow reacting, I don't think that's an age problem. I think that but by the time danger ensues or or, or takes advantage of, of your vulnerability, that means you didn't recognize danger. You know, it's like it's like driving in, in like on on uh on black ice. You know, do you know when you realize you're on black ice? You too, too much of the time it's yeah. when you go to hit the brakes and you go uh oh i'm in trouble and, and now and now you got to manage the you got to manage the car on black ice right you know so you got to recognize that well maybe i'm on black ice here maybe i got to slow down a little bit you know so that i don't run into that problem right i think that the pittsburgh penguins right now using that analogy that's where they're at by the time they realize they're on black ice they try to hit the brakes and it's like they're skidding all over the place right and they're trying to steer in the right direction you talk about basics. I, I I think that I call it positional discipline. And I think this is one of the problems with problems. Maybe that's the wrong way to put it. One of the challenges of man-on-man defense. 
you know, sometimes when you when you when when you go man on man, right? You 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 create vulnerabilities. It, it it's hard to stay with with good players for an extended period of time. I don't think there's. I don't think it's just about playing disciplined or playing man on man or in a zone or whatever. I th- I think you got to understand. I-, I think within a sequence, sometimes you just got to sit back and go, "Hey, listen, we got to go to we got to go to positional discipline here." Okay, this is the time to pressure, right? And I think that that's where Mike Sullivan has been so exceptional in getting his team to understand this is what we have to do in this situation. I'm with you. I'm not ready to panic. Not at all with the Pittsburgh. I think they have too much talent. I don't think they're an older team. I think that, yeah, we can look at the Burster Davis. Yeah, we know what their ages are, but that's a good team in my view. They just gotta, they just gotta get a little more disciplined in their approaches. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's what makes, you know, the NHL so exciting. The offense, the unpredictability, and and you know, expecting the unexpected because that's what we've seen so far. This season, you know what I mean? If you would have said first place is New Jersey or the Sabres are playing six, 700 hockey or Colorado's 500, Toronto, basically 500, Pittsburgh, 500. Why? What's going on? So this shot out of the cannon for some of these starts, you know, Vegas, Boston, and what we're seeing with other teams, Craig, like it's fun. It's not the same old, same old, like the capitals are just depleted with injuries I, I just, and we'll save this for another time. I just can't see some teams hobbling the 82 at a hundred points like they did last year. Capitals is one, not for lack of effort, not for lack of Kemper, not for lack of trying to do things in the off season. Connor Brown, I feel for the guy. Um, but this changing of the guard sort of has been interesting to watch, at least in the early going. Yeah. And so let's talk about, I mean, we talked about, I want to go right to Buffalo. I want to go right to Buffalo. You talked about Owen Power. But I'm going right to TT, T squared, Tage Thompson. Now I'm going to tell you a little story. I don't think I've I've told you this story before. Don Granado was coaching the USA National Team Development Program. Tage Thompson was like the 11th, 12th, 13th forward. Donnie kept telling me all the time. He goes, Tage Thompson's got a lot there. There's a lot in this young player. He's got he's got a lot of ability. He's got a lot of drive, a lot of spirit in his play, and he wants to get better. And Donnie didn't tell me that once. He told me that multiple times. And then let's just fast forward. Tage Thompson ultimately ends up being a first-round draft pick to the, the St. Louis Blues. Then he becomes uh, a central figure in the Jack Eichel not in the Jack Eichel trade, in the Ryan O'Reilly trade. Yeah. Central figure in the Ryan O'Reilly trade. They ultimately have to trade Jack Eichel. All I know is this. You know, Tage Thompson explodes on the scene last year, gets a big, long extension. I can tell you this. The Buffalo Sabres having Tage Thompson, he is outperforming Jack Eichel by a pretty sizable margin right now. And you think about everything that went on with Jack and the Buffalo Sabres and, you know, that, that, that exit. And then you think about Tage Thompson, which was done under similar, you know, duress, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, they got upset at Ryan because he said, Hey, I'm sick and tired of losing. And they didn't like that. Right. What a player Tage Thompson is. What a player. What he did last year is no accident. And I got to tell you, I, I, I'm thinking about paying Donnie Granado a whole lot of money to come out and help me scout these young players because we always talk about finding diamonds in the rough. 
he identified Tage long, long before when he wasn't playing prime time. He was playing in down the lineup considerably. What a player for the Buffalo Sabres, Tage Thompson is. Yeah, and I think when we for for me when I first saw him, you're thinking, oh, there's a lot there. Love that size. They had him on the wing, and then they realized, no, he can't be a center. And he's like, well, he's kind of a shoot first center man. He's got an unbelievable shot, and not just going back to the Penguins game and not just going back to the six point game uh, in front of 9,000, like, come on Buffalo. Like this is, this is talking proud. This is exciting. He might have right now as good or better of that Ovechkin spot one timer as Ovi stammer. Like it, it, it's his shot is that good. The backhanded toe drag play is that special. And the hat trick play forehand, backhand back to forehand. Like you talk about Eichel, even though it's Ryan O'Reilly, like the blues won their cup and we love Ryan O'Reilly. And it's funny how the blues have called themselves out. And they're actually another one of those teams like Colorado, Toronto, and Pittsburgh that, and, and age is getting there with them, but Hey, they've already won the trade because they won the cup and everything. And Ryan O'Reilly wanted out. But right now at press time, we're talking about 10 games, seven, seven, 10, sorry, seven, seven, 14 and 10 games. Like I, I asked Matthew Buron, what is he? And I thought he was going to say he can be a 40, 40, 80 guy or a 40, 50 guy. Like one for one this year, we can have, an, we can have a discussion or bet on sports interaction, which is coming up. Who's going to get more goals and assists? Tage Thompson or Jack Eichel? And then when I'm you throw Alex Tage Thompson every time. Yeah, and, 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 and Eichel's off to a good start. And so is yeah. Vegas. Like it's, and it's good. But then when you throw in Alex Tuck's seven goals, so now you're sitting there going, Oh my goodness, for a terrible situation, I got to get rid of Ryan O'Reilly and Jack Eichel. They could have been my one-two down the middle. Yep. And, and so what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to spin, and I'm going to get Tage Thompson, and what else came in the deal? And I'm going to get Alex Tuck and some other auxiliary parts, and I'm at least going to hope it's a wash. Anything above it is better. And right now, you throw in Rasmus Dallin. Is anyone playing better than him? Maybe offensively, Eric Carlson. Uh, then you throw in Jeff Skinner's resurrection. You throw in Dylan Cousins and, and you, you Casey Middlestat in front of a defense that's depleted on the back end. And they went with Eric Comrie. I went, really? Well, we're going to see if the proof's in the pudding there. Like, it's, come on, Buffalo, it's 8, 10, 12,000. You got to be talking proud. Like, this is, this playoff drought, I'm not saying it's over. I'm saying they're going to be there. They're going to push the big three, allegedly. Boston's pushing the big three. Like all bets are off. Well, they're going to be on in a couple seconds, Craig. But but they're all bets here with this. They've changed it. They're better than Detroit. They're better than Ottawa right now. They are better in my mind. No, no, no question about it. And and it's exciting times in there, right? And and you're right, I mean, but what the Buffalo Sabers doing? You you just described that goal that Tage Thompson scored. And you know what I had a flashback when I saw it too? I had a flashback to 1991 Stanley Cup final, Mary ah. Lemieux dancing and the great Bob Cole saying, oh, baby. <laughs> and and you think about it, Tage Thompson, six foot five, six foot five and a half, right? That long range. Like, honestly, Steve, I saw some glimpses of Mario in that goal. I'm just glad that it was another team and not my team in Minnesota on the other end of that goal. <laughs> Yeah, sorry about that 2-1 collapse. Um, <laughs> I, I think it would have been a very good bet to take the Penguins down 2-1 in 91 <laughs> to come all the way back. Of course, we know how game six ended. It was an eight ball to nothing.
Time now for KB on Ice, an inside look at the NHL, brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is Canada's sportsbook, 19-plus, play responsibly. They've got Bruce Bolton, our producer, hooked. He's making these bets. He's winning some money. Craig, make it look easy for the viewers out there. Well, if you want to make it look easy, just go on Sports Interaction. They give you all the information to be confident. So I'm going to start on Thursday night. New Jersey at the Edmonton Oilers. It's a marquee matchup early in the season. Jack Hughes versus the great Connor McDavid. I'm taking the Devils on the road versus the Oilers. And Jack Hughes gets more points than McDavid in his own building. Friday, Friday. Are you kidding me? Buffalo at Carolina. I'm taking Buffalo on the road. I'm liking the Sabres team. Saturday, Leafs, Bruins. What a test for the Leafs. I don't think they're good enough to beat the Bruins. I think a lot of people think that. I'm going to go in another direction, reminding everybody I have Ottawa Thursday over Vegas. Sends win, sends win. And the double down in Tampere, Finland. That's how I heard it was pronounced. I'm taking Avs 1 and Avs 2. Columbus is in big, big trouble, as Richie Cunningham once said. I'm in big, big trouble, Craig. Tampere. Tampere. Let's say it together in three, two. Tampa. Yeah. Sports interaction is Canada's sports book. Log on to SIA.com forward slash cool button pod to sign up and deposit today. Canada's sports book is sports interaction 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Tampa. To smile or not to smile, to care or not to care. That is the question. I guess it wasn't enough that Toronto got to plus one here at press time. John Tavares, one of his best games as a Maple Leaf. But a lot of the chatter afterwards was Austin Matthews starting the fracas with Travis Konechny, not getting involved in the fracas as a lot of things were going on around him. And I guess similar to when he was horse collared against Montreal, I think it was uh, Shabbat that had him in that situation. Um, Shabbat had him in that situation. So to care or not to care, to smile or not to smile, there are a lot of people, including our buddy Michael Rupp, that thinks get engaged at least, partner up, and stop smiling. Craig, do you care to smile or not to smile? That is the question. I don't care. I don't I, listen. I don't want. I don't want Austin Matthews engaging with anybody. I don't mind that Austin Matthews starts things and you know finds a a safe haven, shall we call it? And keep in mind, he starts things and they're going back and forth. And then Mark Giordano got right in there quick and. You know, Austin Matthews, I don't want him throwing off his gloves. You know what? Austin Matthews gets a lot of attention. A lot of people go after Austin Matthews. So we always talk about Austin Matthews. You know, oh, he started a fracas. You know, when you're playing against Austin Matthews, what are you trying to do? You're trying to get him off his game. You you know, at some point in time, a player's got to say enough, enough, enough. And I'm going to stick you and I'm going to give it to you. And that's just part of the part and part. We only see the end part of it. What Austin Matthews does is at some point in time, he goes, you're not getting away with this anymore. And once he does what he needs to do, I don't think he's got to stick around for anything else. Stick it to them. Get the hell out of there and smile. If you feel like smiling, he's in a happy place. (laughs) I don't know if I, I don't know if I like the smiling. I don't know if anybody has been smiling. Like it's one thing, I guess if, uh, if Dave Schultz smiled and he backed it up in his own way or, Tiger Williams smiled as he was skating down the ice with a stick between his legs, pointing to the crowd after a big goal or whatever. I think Austin's a big boy. And when everyone's getting involved in, I don't know, Zamula comes up to you, shouldn't you just grab him by the shirt and 
and and doesn't it show around the league like does that episode Wednesday help other teams against Austin does it mean anything or hurt them because to me I'm not saying fight and beat up Konechny if you could do it maybe you should and I'm not big on fighting unless you are Jerome McGinley and you say be careful or Cam Neely but you know we don't want you in the penalty boxes they told Cam Neely I'm not in that situation but I am in body language and optics I don't know if I, I would be smiling I would sometimes be still engaging with my teammates. They're now fighting for me, and I can't even drop my stick and gloves and hang on to Zamula or somebody else in the fracas and just be there in the group. Like you're saying, just leave. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I've got the answer. I just think the optics of what happened there doesn't. Um, I like the unifying, like Giordano and, and Bunting coming in. I think that's good. I don't know. Maybe Medano smiled and we forget about it. Maybe Sackick smiled and we forgot about it. I don't think Eisenman would have smiled. He would have been in a, another category. So it is interesting. I just think maybe maybe the smiling and getting ragdolled and smiling bothers some people, Craig. I, I I don't know, but I'm not saying fight. Don't ever say that I said fight. I'm just saying engaging I I, a player. Engage. I don't want Austin Matthews taking off his. I don't want him taking off his gloves. I don't want him coming near where somebody thinks I can get a free shot in on Austin. Listen, through the course of a game, I can take you through that whole game with Philadelphia and Toronto on Wednesday night, and I can show you all the all all the stuff that Austin Matthews had to put up with through that game. And you reach a so so why aren't they standing up? Why aren't they being honest about their play? You know, Austin Matthews has to take a lot of crap. No problem. It's part of the game, and we just carry on. So when Austin Matthews gives it back to somebody, and then. He goes to what I call safe haven. I got no problem with him. I don't care if he smiles. I don't care if he laughs. I don't care if he wants to be a ventriloquist and start to do comedy on the ice. Austin Matthews takes more abuse than just about the, as much abuse as any player in the league because that's the type of player he is. I don't care if he's six foot three or six foot four or how big he is. Austin Matthews, I don't want the gloves. I don't want his gloves coming off. You remember when John Scott... You, you know, was chasing after Phil Kessel and Phil was taking a stick. Yeah, like, yeah. you know what? That's what I don't want Phil taking off. I don't want Phil grabbing anybody. Zamula's six foot four. He's a big guy. I don't know what happens in that situation. I want zero risk on that for Austin Matthews. I am 100% fine with what he did because here's the thing I evaluate. I don't evaluate the moment. I evaluate all the moments. Austin Matthews is an invested player, and that's why his teammates were all in on making sure that nobody was going to take advantage of him. If he wasn't all in, you'd go, oh, geez, there, there might not be as much enthusiasm. Yeah, I'm not saying he's not all in when he plays and he's thrown his body around more and used his size. He got the two-minute or uh, two-game suspension, which was good suspension to kind of say, if if I get angry sometimes, I'll, I'll, I'm willing to pay the price, right, when he got his stick up uh, against the Sabres. I think people just, they might want a little bit more of that to, to like, it, I see McDavid at times, I think, and I haven't counted the body checks, using his body, um, I think a bit more. Um, he's engaging. Uh, maybe it seems like a bit more, uh, and you could argue maybe who he's when he has a Vander Kane with him. Maybe you can be more engaging, right? Because you got a really good policeman, although now he's playing with Dry I try to compare it and I think, well, would a Sackett have done that? I, you know, what would a Medano done? Different era and everything else. And I think it might come down to just grab a guy, pair off. And stop smiling. And, and and I understand that. It really bothered our friend Michael Rupp. It doesn't bother you at all. I think I'm somewhere in the middle on it. Because I do think that when you 
use your size and it doesn't mean fighting. I think that it helps you win puck battles. It helps send messages. Uh, I have no problem what he did going back after Travis connect me. unless he hit him in the face with a stick or a butt end, like that's, that's an illegal act. But I think sticking up for yourself at a time when your teammates not always can for you is good for star players. Like I've seen it. Wouldn't you think that McDavid does it a bit more in terms of physicality and um, like, would McDavid ever get ragdolled and smile? Would McDavid be initiated? Personality, Steve. Joe Sack is a different personality than Austin Matthews. The game is different. I don't think. Bottom line is, I'll just say, I don't know what, Austin Matthews is one of the best players in the league at winning puck battles, separating opponents from the puck. Use of his body is one of the best in the league. So let's not get all caught up in the narratives. I'm going to tell you one of the greatest false narratives ever, ever this century. Alexander Ovechkin wins the Stanley Cup in 2018. And the false narrative was, look at how much more he's committed. Look at him blocking shots. He didn't block any more shots per game in the 2018 run of the Stanley Cup than he had in any previous playoff run. But, you know, all this BS, and that's all it is. It's all a bunch of BS, false narrative. Oh, be more physical. Austin Matthews is one of the most physical players in the game in terms of using his body. Connor McDavid. Like, Connor McDavid's a brilliant player. We're going to talk about him. Connor McDavid's engaged everywhere on the ice. He's not hitting more. He's just, he's always been engaged. How do you perform like he does? The false narratives around the game and this wanting to go back to an era that's long gone. Let's forget about it. It's over. It's over. I don't live in the past. Austin Matthews wasn't born in the past. I don't care. He's engaged. He's involved in the game at every turn. He takes more abuse than just about any player in the game. And he's ready to give it back at times and smile. Good for him. Now, if Mike but, Rupp doesn't get engaged, I got a big problem. But yes. Austin Matthews, I don't have any problem. Engaged after the whistle for Rupper. Yeah. It's different. It's different. And yeah. uh, 97 and 34 are engaged all over the ice. They're not going to fight. Right. There are people that do want to go back to a bygone era because yeah. some of them are stuck in the past. And I, I get that. For me, I would say I would have liked a little bit of partnering up because I don't think Zamula is going to sucker Austin Matthews. And I'd probably say... You know, I'd be, uh, I would poo-poo the smiling myself. So we're, we're, we're much on the same page, minus a little smile. You and I smile at each other all the time, Mr. Button, because we enjoy each other's company. And you know who's smiling? I want to ask you a question, quick question. Okay. Phil Esposito was a big player, big man. Did you ever see him fight? No, that I recall right now. Okay, wait a second. That was, the, the, you know, that was an era back in the 70s. It was pretty rough and rugged and the big bad Bruins, right? I honestly cannot think of Phil Esposito being involved in, in, in tussles or things like that. I'm not saying he wasn't, right? But like Phil was a big man who took a lot of abuse, right? And he just kept playing. And I think that Phil had fun playing. And I'm not so sure Phil didn't have a smile or two along the way too. But it's funny that like, you know, we want to pick apart a player on one incident. Like I said, go back to that game and watch all the different incidents incidents over the game. Watch how much abuse Austin Matthews takes. And uh, no, I, I don't think anybody's arguing that, but they will say there were, there's been two smiles that have probably bothered some people. Um, I say that Phil would have been engaged and partnered up because remember back then when the, there was a fight, everyone dropped their gloves and partnered up. You know, they either watched the fight or, 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 or whatever. Um, so it, it's, listen, it happened. It's interesting. And, um, 
we can mostly agree to agree and then partly disagree. I probably, you know, I don't know if you can have a talk with a player and say, stop smiling. You know what I mean? Um, but you know I they do... said about Bobby Clark, they said he started everything and just watched it be finished by others. <laughs> well, he had a Clark army. He had, well, he had wait, a Clark wait a second. Three times. But he fought, he fought Bobby Orr. He went like, wait, the, yeah, right? Bobby Orr. He fought Bobby Orr. If Austin Matthews, like, you know what? If I'm think Austin, you're not fighting Travis Connecting. If you want to pair off against Connor McDavid, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I didn't say fight, but I know what you're saying. Well, let's get to Connor. 11 and 11 at press time. Um, I mean, the game the other night, everyone loved it except John Hines. Um, I could say, John, why did you have Matthias Oland, you know, at the back end of the circle when Dreisaitl won the draw to McDavid? When he won the draw? Matthias Ekholm. But Matthias Ekholm, yes. Right off the draw. Um and then what happened was McDavid was all by himself and just ripped it in, right? Normally you've got the forward and defenseman right there and he didn't, but anyway, and the Oilers just, they love Nashville. They love going to Nashville. They love playing Nashville. The numbers are unbelievable. And right now after their, you know, so, so start, they've rhymed off many in a row. Although you think it's going to end on Thursday night. And right now it's just humming. Like nobody's got two better lines than that. I know 50 and 50 is a dream, but it's fun when someone's got 11 and 11. I just want them to get to 50. I'd 11 love and 10, 11 and 10, 11 and 10. Yeah. Oh, that's even better than 11 and 10. So to me, I would love them to get to 50, 100, 150. I might be dreaming Craig, but I'd love those numbers for number 97. So you know, what's amazing, Steve, and I go back to this and I was thinking about, you know, where uh you know where where connor is and you know 11 goals in 10 games you know what's amazing to me and, and i do i go back in time on december 30th 1981 wayne gretzky scored his 50th goal in his 39th game <laughs> it's 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 unfair you know we talk about we just just we talk about just 50 goals right i mean it's unfathomable to think what wayne did like it like you you think about all the things that he did and okay, so now you got McDavid at 11 goals in 10 games, and you go 50 and 39, 50 and 39. Like it's, you know, I, I know that Orr changed the way the game was played. And I mean, he was a brilliant player. And I know he got cut short by injuries, and there's no telling what else he could have done. Mary Lemieux, the same. But when we put it all into context, longevity and everything he did, I, 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 I don't have a difficult time having Wayne Gretzky stand alone as the best player this league has ever seen. Because when you think about everything he did, it's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. And, and Wayne has been, you know, praising McDavid since day one, a hundred years from now, we could have goalies that start skating pirouettes and go end to end and score. Who knows how the game has changed. Uh, we got rid of the Rover. We've seen like when Bobby Orr must've first got the puck and gone up in Perry sound. I'm sure everybody said, what are you doing? What's he doing? You're a defenseman. You're not supposed to, you're not supposed to do that. And Bobby Orr said, I'm not a defenseman. I'm a hockey player. And the way the game's uh -huh. played now to use Edmonton as an example, McDavid might have the puck go around the net, come out the other side, get into the right wing circle, which will then push the defenseman, you know, Barry to the top of the top of the blue line. 
push the other Darnell Nurse over. And then McDavid might be at the point. Nurse could be in front of the net and Barry could be in, like, we're hockey players now. You get in the spin cycle. You move it around. You, you, all these amazing things. We didn't do that before. You were the left defenseman. You stood on the left point. Stay there. Back off when the time comes. Like, it's changed so much. It's way more fluid. And that's why it's hard to defend. Because all of a sudden you're going, and if you did go man on man, the defenseman would be way up top on McDavid. Then you'd have a forward down deep trying to cover dry side or like depending who's on the ice. And I find this development of the game because Craig, we've seen since the lockout, things changed in 0506 and many managers had no idea, had no idea what was going on and they were lost in the shuffle. Then we've had a change in this skill development group, the McDavid skill development of attacking triangles and across the slot, all, all these types of things that have been just wow. And now these kids are doing all these amazing things. And to see 11, 11, 22 in 10 that we're seeing now, it's just fun. I'm not saying we're getting a Brett Hall and a Mary Lemieux and a Wayne Gretzky thing, but right now what we're seeing, we do have to enjoy it. The sky's the limit. This is going to be his best year, right? Like this is going to be, his best season in the NHL. Well, isn't that an opportunity for an odd boost from sports interaction? Like, you know, <laughs> what do you take? You know, what do you what take? Do you think, what, what, what do you think the odd boost was on December 31st, 1981? Wayne had 45 goals in 38 games. What do you think the odd boost was on Wayne getting to 50 that night? Wow. Imagine that payout. That would have been something. Wouldn't it have been anyway? You know, well, as you talk about the current players, there's there's lots of opportunities, you know, with sports interaction to be able to do your own odd boost with these players. But I, I want to finish with this because you, 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 I, I, we started on the Pittsburgh Penguins. We yeah. talked about, you know, defensively and, you know, the third periods where they've caused problems and everything. But, but you just talked about, and I think it brings it full circle. You talk about, you talk about if you're trying to play Connor McDavid man on man, <laughs> he breaks he breaks he breaks down any uh you know man on man uh coverage he's just too good right so you know you might start off man on man but you got to realize the point hey wait we got to back off because he's going to draw another man there and then it's two men on one somebody's wide open and mcdave is going to find him and that's where you know you know the players are so good and are so quick and fast and because you know there's no impeding of them with the with the emphasis and uh standard on on obstruction and interference so that's where I talk about, you know, defending, like, you know, sometimes you, okay, we're, we're committed to one the man on man, but all of a sudden you got to go, wait a second here. He he's over in that corner. Now let him stand there. Let him go over there. We're going to zone. We're going to more of a positional discipline approach. And I think that, you know, it's hard. And I know the game is, is quick and it's fast and there's lots of transition, you know, football starts with the ball in your hand. Everything, everything stops, starts from a stop, Right. Hockey isn't like that, except on the face-off. So when things get moving, you know, how do you train your players? How do you instill a defensive scheme where you adjust in, in, in real time? That's hard to do. And what we haven't seen uh, to date, or I haven't seen it to any great extent, is, is that ability to adjust in real time. And uh, you know, obviously the weaker teams struggle with it more, but the top-end players, as you point out, they break you down. So how how do you how do you how do you how do you limit your vulnerability by just switching up? Listen, I don't have the answers. I have a lot of questions. I have observations, but this is a real challenge for teams defensively. I like how the offenses are winning. That makes it more fun. I'm going to end with my buddy Evander Kane. I'm not expecting a percentage to, you know, 
send my way after he went from San Jose to the Edmonton Oilers, although I was first on that train, Mr. Button. He has scored 40 goals now as an Oiler in 68 games. 40 and 68, counting the playoffs, how good he was, the regular season last year, and the regular season this year. Sometimes one man's poison is another man's meat. Uh, you get out of one bad situation to go into a good one. We always say we need players like, you know, Tockett and Kachuk and Roberts. Where can I find one? Well, there was one right there not happy in San Jose, and he's happy right now. Giveth empty netters to McDavid. They'll giveth to them back, as he did the other night when he had the hat trick. Kudos for Evander Kane as an Edmonton Oiler. I'm going to turn it back to you real quick. Evander Kane was always a real top player. It's $7 million that was value. His contract now, we're talking bargoon, bargoon. And, you know, in, in a situation in Edmonton with all that skill around him, not only does it benefit him, but it benefits the other players around Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl specifically. So, you know, when you look at Evander Kane, it was he, he's always been a good player. This idea that he wasn't a good player, you just 40 and 68 games, you say, oh, there we go. If he gets 12 in his next 14, we can call him a 50-goal scorer. Yes, and this is it for episode 90. Next episode is 91, Evander Kane. We'll see how he does over the weekend. We'll see how we do in our prediction business, Craig. Let's see if you can stay Jimmy the Greek hot and Bruce Bolton and those odd boosts. Interesting, he came to work in a Armani suit the other day. <laughs> I hear he's, he's car shopping for Porsches. So we're not saying that's going to happen with everybody, but we are saying we're out of time. Craig, this was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And now we can smile. So let's smile. <laughs>